Hello and welcome to the Time to Ride podcast with me, Simon, the spokesman Macriff. This week, my guest is author of The Leadership Catalyst, Ted Gordon. Right. Well, welcome to Time to Ride, Ted. Thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic, actually. I'm actually in quite a good mood today, so it's all good. <laughs> you must be selling lots of bikes then. That's what that must be. <laughs> Been selling zero bikes because I've oh. been on holiday. So I've been laying the patio instead. So let's just let everybody know where we first met. I think we first met when we were both working as managers for Evans. Um, and yeah, we had a very good kind of set of managers, if I cast my mind back, um, who have all gone on to bigger and better things. Um, and I think after your stint at Evans, I think you went out of the cycle industry, I think you went to Jap Speed. Um, really? I was working for some French company and I think we hooked up for a coffee in Manchester one day. Um, yeah. and some French company. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? I'm, I'm actually going to I'm going to use their name now because they've just given me a dealership. So it's like, yeah, I used to, <laughs> I used to work for Mavic. So it's like, um, so what, who are you currently working for, Ted? So now, I, yeah, you're quite right. I took a year out of cycling, moved over to my my first love, which was petrol, so performance car parts, and then, yeah, came back. And now I work for Trek directly, so in one of our directly owned Trek stores, so one of our kind of delves into direct-to-consumer retail. How are you finding it with Trek, with the... We all know at the moment, due to this pandemic, um, supply lines are drying up, construction, manufacture has been hit badly. How are Trek coping at the moment? So, I mean, I think I, I hate using the word unprecedented because it's been bandied around a hell of a lot in the last 12 months, but it is truly unprecedented from an industry point of view in terms of how we're doing. I think from what I've heard, we're doing better than some people purely because we were a little bit more risky in the early stages. I think we committed earlier to getting more produced and just going kind of hell for leather earlier on. Um, so in general, we've we've completely changed how we do things. So that's not to say that we're having an easy time of it and we've got loads of bikes. We definitely haven't. We've got huge supply issues. We've got delays in manufacturing and we've got third party supplier issues and we've got transporting issues. And, you know, that, that ever given ship stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah, we definitely had some stuff on that boat. So, you know, it, we've got the same problems as everyone else. But I think we did hedge our bets. We bet a lot pretty deep on a lot of bikes and we have stuff coming in but it is it's just down to the fact that we do everything completely differently now we don't sell off the shop floor we don't sell entirely based on what it is you need we sell a lot more on how close to what you need can we get with what we know is coming how's the general public embracing that have they got an understanding of what is actually going on behind the iron curtains i think it varies massively um, we have it's not really a sliding scale either we have people who completely understand 
they've done loads of research, they understand the situation, they've spoken to loads of people already, and they know that the fact that I can give them a date and I can tell them exactly what's coming, what it's going to cost, what it's going to look like, I can make sure they're going to be happy with it. And they think that's fantastic, even if they have to wait 30, 60, 90 days to get it. Um, we then get the other extreme where they've got seemingly no idea about the pandemic at all, let alone its effect on the cycling industry. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a two-sided affair, but there's very few people in the middle, it would seem. It's one or the other. You've also got another little sideline. Um, I'm not going to call it a sideline because this is quite a major issue. And I know we went to a couple of coaching circles when we were managers, and it was all about kind of nonverbal communication um, and leadership skills. And um, I know you've got a book out at the moment, um, mm -hmm. The Leadership Catalyst. How did all that come about? Was that a, a, a kind of a knock-on effect from attending some of these courses? Or is that something that you were already doing? Kind of a bit of, a bit of both. Um, so I say quite early on in that book that essentially it was born out of frustration. Um, it started when I was at Evans and it started as I was doing a lot to support other people and to support my team and to support other stores. And I managed a lot of stores at Evans and quite often they were stores that were struggling, that needed some help. And then once they got up to a certain standard, then I'd move on to somewhere else. And as a result of that, I started making lots of documents and lots of plans and things that would help people. And I suddenly realized that actually there was more to it than just uh, a spreadsheet or a checklist or, or whatever. There's, there's the concepts behind these things and why are some people naturally more successful at these things than others. And I suppose it came from, certainly it was spurred on by some of the leadership courses we did do at Evans. Um, it made me realize, and I think a few people acknowledge this, how much we were lacking some of the stuff we were told we needed to deliver um, and I think that's fine one of the best terms I had was from one of my old HR directors and she said that as a manager you are a shit umbrella that is your job you protect the people underneath you mm, and that, that is your job yeah um, and I love that I, I really embrace that the idea that I'm a, at least maybe not an umbrella but certainly a filter and I pick and choose what my team know so that they can be protected where necessary, but informed in an appropriate manner as well. Um, but it suddenly became really apparent that there was a lot lacking. And so the things that I needed from my leadership team, I couldn't really get by going to. So I started trying to fill the gaps in myself and I started drafting what was essentially supposed to be a document for me to be able to give to new store managers to try and help them get to where I was quicker and eventually I realized that actually this was a much bigger project than this and actually wasn't wholly Evans related it was just about leadership it was just about people and management skills and, and specifically leadership and communication skills I could kind of pin just about every failing of the company on communication on some level so that was my focus um, and it took me a couple of years to put it all together and a chunk of that time was while I was at Jap Speed as well. 
and my experiences there fed into it and, and shaped things. And it was quite interesting when I'd finished the first draft, reading back through it all, I could remember exactly what I was writing about. Like this, there was a lot of, there was a lot of emotion in this book. I had to rewrite a hell of a lot of it to make Names it sound. Names and faces easy. come to mind, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and specific incidents and specific failures and things. And, and I just thought I didn't want it to come across angry. It's not supposed to be a rant. It's actually supposed to be helpful. Um, and so, yeah, it was one of those. I thought, why the hell not? Let's self-publishing is not easy but it's a hell of a lot easier than it ever has been. So if not now, then when? And that's what happened. Do you look back and do you ever get angry? Because you would do it, it was a sense of frustration. I don't know about you, the sense of frustration that we could all see these things and there was our superiors in a position that could affect stuff either couldn't see it or were not prepared to act on it. And... I think that's what I came away thinking. I'm feeling enormously frustrated and to a certain degree angry with these people in power. Yeah, I mean, I think in general I'm I'm pretty laid back. So from a an anger point of view, I'm I kind of if anger benefits the situation, then I'll be angry. But if it doesn't benefit it, then I, I tend to focus on the things that I can can control. Um, so I wouldn't say it angered me. It, it kind of upset me more than than anger, um, especially when it, certain things would happen and you couldn't help but take it personally. You felt like, well, there's no way that this could be this series of events could happen other than to make me suffer. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it took me a fair few years to realise that A, the world doesn't revolve around me and so don't be quite so paranoid. Um, but also be to see it happen to other people. And as you see it happening to other people, you realize, oh, actually, that was nothing to do with me. They're, they're doing this to everyone around them. Um, that's what yeah, I came away with. I came away with that solidarity of all the managers. And it's like, when you got to speak to them like yourself, one-on-one, -on -one, you realize it's not just me that's been targeted. You know, I, was, I always felt that I'm being made accountable for my numbers and it was like it turned out that everybody was in the same position. And it, it was like, oh, wow, you know, thank God we could have talked to each other um, and yeah. have that support network within ourselves. And like you, you used the analogy, um, a shit umbrella. It's like, but we didn't feel like we had that shit umbrella above us. It was Not getting dumped straight on us. And, you know, there was a lot of, stress and anxiety flying around until we started talking to each other yeah. um, and i think it was it was it was i was incredibly fortunate i think um i'm a bit of a, a unique character i think um i won't bore you with the psychology of it all but i'm quite capable of just dealing with stuff compartmentalizing things and, and dealing with the actuality of what's going on rather than getting too soaked up in the emotion of it all. Um, and again, like with anger, if stress is going to benefit me, then I'll get stressed. But if it isn't going to make me more productive, if it isn't going to turn up the dial, then it's a waste. And so I, I won't do it. Um, 
at Evans, it was incredibly frustrating to see the basic things that you knew should be done and have them be ignored or or just implemented badly or, or whatever. Um, but there was this fundamental flaw there that, and I think it, it touches on something we spoke about briefly before, like getting this balance between cyclists and business people. Um, in the early days, or my early days at Evans, um, not the early days of Evans, I wasn't around in the, the late 30s. Um, you basically well, mate. You might explain why you've got no hair, but... Yeah. Um, but no, in, in the early days, we were very much a company of cyclists. And that had a detrimental effect in some areas because it meant that we made decisions based on what we wanted, not necessarily what the entire industry needed or what our entire customer base needed. We brought in some kind of business influence and for a period of time that worked really, really well because we had a good balance. But then over time, the pendulum swung beyond that balance point and it was far more business focused than it should have been. Not to say that you can't run a bike shop as a business but if you don't understand the products you're selling you're always going to have trouble in retail that's the the long and short and one of the brutal facts at evans was that i used to use my kpis as a defense tool not as a success tool so i could say to my leadership team look how good my metrics are i have got everything ticked off that means if i haven't hit my target Either my target is wrong or the metrics aren't measuring the right things. But I've done everything that is in my control. And that doesn't make any sense. You know, key performance indicators, they have to be key. They have to work. And then if you can achieve them all, that has to make you more successful. If it doesn't, something is broken. It's not KPI then, is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, something is wrong. Yeah. Um, And it might just be that the forecast is wrong. And they are all the right metrics. It's just that the, the total number you've come up with at the end is just a bit overinflated. But, you know, whatever it was, to not address that over and over and over and over just means that eventually you get so frustrated, you realise you're either going to have to turn off that part of your brain or you just accept that you're bouncing around underneath a glass ceiling and you need to look for something else, um, which is a shame because we lost a lot of good people that way. It brings me to um, the paradox of personal dysfunction and the dark side of leadership. What's your familiarity with all of this kind of? Well, I'm, I want you to. I want to take you into the psychology of it all. But this is where I want to take yeah. it. So, I mean, leadership is is one of those things that I think <laughs> there's a few things that I've remembered. Um, like I said in, in my book, most of what I've written about is a take on the inverse of what I've experienced. I don't have a mentor. I don't have someone I look up to. I don't have someone who's led me in a way that's made me go, that's what I want to do. I've just been led by a whole bunch of people who have made me think there's got to be a better way of doing this. Um, and I think from a psychology point of view, that takes quite a bit of strength without trying to blow my own trumpet, to be constantly convinced that everyone else is doing it wrong, but to not be a narcissist <laughs> is, quite, is quite a challenge. You know, you've got to develop enough confidence 
to believe in yourself but not be blinded by your confidence and make sure that you actually believe in yourself for the right reasons, not just because you've got an overinflated ego or a level of arrogance. Because um, leadership's hard, even when everything works. You know, we all have staffing issues to deal with. We have character traits of people to deal with. Um, we have that shit umbrella. So we have these weird things that come down from a business point of view that you may or may not agree with, but you have no choice and stuff. Um, so yeah, the psychology of it, we could we could talk for a long time on that, I think. I'll go back to a situation where I was when I was at Halfords many moons ago. Um, and there was a couple of books that were banded around. Um, was it first Break All the Rules? And the other one, The Carrot Principle. In my experience, they, they were very, well, I want to use the word generic. It was like, it's, it's hold on. You, you can't teach leadership from a manual. You, you Sometimes you've got to have that feel and you've got to be personable. You can't be called um, and shut off from it all. And yeah, I, I don't know what, what, what's your understanding of being trotted yeah. out. Uh, it's, that's how it's, the, the phrase I'm going to use. It was yeah. trotted out. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a couple of specific literary experiences of that at Evans, where we were given a couple of books to read. And they were very patronising, very condescending, real kind of, well, if you don't see that as a good thing, then you definitely shouldn't be in leadership. Um, there is definitely, like you say, there is a, a character element to it that can't be ignored. And again, it was something that I've seen in the past where people are just on a conveyor belt moving up through the company either because they want to or because the company thinks they should or because there's a gap and they have to go and fill it and not everyone is destined to be a leader and not everyone wants to be a leader and that's perfectly all right you just need to be accepting of it um i remember once being told that you should not be friends with your team you should not socialize with them you should not talk with them outside of work and all this kind of stuff and I just, at that moment, knew that I was going to have an uphill battle because that is not how I do things at all. Um, and don't get me wrong, if you do have a real close bond with all your team, when stuff goes wrong, it can make it really hard. But it makes the likelihood of it going wrong that little bit less or a large amount less. Um, and that is kind of worth the risk, in my opinion. I think I want people to want to work for me as much as because of my results, as because of me. Um, you know, I don't just want people who want to work for me because they want success. And I don't want people to just want to work for me because he's a nice guy. You know, it's got to be a bit of both. I think we've both witnessed, though, that this conveyor belt that exists in certain companies, I've seen it destroy good men. And when I say destroy, mm -hmm. it, it has changed their character. They've ended up with, I'm, I'm going to name it mental health issues. And these were really personable mm -hmm. people who were in the business for the right reasons, but found themselves on this track of going through the company and then found themselves in a position where they had to give us a bit of a kick up the ass, not because we needed a kick up the ass, but they'd been told to. And mm. you could see at the, at the end game for them, it all broke down. And you're thinking, yeah. I ended up f really feeling for a guy and thinking, 
at the time, I thought you were a bit of a, a hole. But now I actually, I actually feel for you. It's, it's like yeah. you were a decent bloke and you just couldn't handle the, the situation. Hmm? Yeah, the system breach. Um, again, it comes back to that, that confidence. You know, if you, if you know what you need and you're not getting it from the system that you're in, you can go and get it from somewhere else. And that's kind of one of the lessons that I try and teach in my book. Um, that knowing some of these leadership models and techniques and approaches just in a very textbook fashion can help you because if it helps you work through your thought processes and helps you identify what it is that you're not getting and that's why you don't feel comfortable you might not be able to convince your manager or your leader or your leadership team to give it to you but you might be able to get it from somewhere else and I think that was the thing for me um, I mean, it helped. So my wife spent some of my career at Evans also working at Evans, um, but she spent some of, the, some of my career there not working at Evans. All the way through, she knew everything I was doing every day. We spoke at length about everything that was going on. And so if I was questioning my decisions or my results or my ability in an area, and it should have been a conversation that I would have been having with my line manager, but I wasn't getting what I needed. I could get that from her. I could get it from somewhere else, or I could get it from myself. I can get it from a book. I can get it from a podcast. I can get it from an article somewhere. I can get it from a regular customer or a colleague. You know, it doesn't have to be anything hierarchical about it. It just needs to be something that can give you that little bit of confidence that allows you to move on. But if you are, an island if you feel that you do have to cut yourself off from your team you feel like you've got no one to talk to at home and you don't have the support structure in work it is going to break you there's nothing more frustrating than being told do this but not being told how or why <laughs> there's only so many times you can do that before everything falls apart um, and that's it that's that's why so going back to my book it, it wasn't supposed to be a book. It wasn't supposed to be anything. It was a hashtag effectively in my mind that was two hashtags. Communication is king. Understanding is everything. Um, and to me, and they were just so obvious that you can address anything with those two statements. If you can communicate well, and that includes listening as well as talking, and if you can understand properly understand everything will be okay always in on whatever scale you want to talk about if you want to talk about war if everyone understood the other person's point of view and not just said it not just paid lip service to it but actually understood real empathy how that other person feels you might not agree with them but you can understand that they feel as passionately about their side of the argument as you do about yours. And so if they can't convince you, you can't convince them. So move on. That communication aspect and the, the idea that you have to understand is just key. And I think that was what we were, we were missing in our previous shared experiences. Before we go any further, Ted, where can people pick up a copy of the Leadership Catalyst? if anybody listening to this is interested at all yeah i mean at the moment just from my website um so it's cikd.co.uk 
Um, you can click through to the shop and you can you can buy a copy from there. Um, it's the one thing the pandemic has done is change my approach to what I do with that book. Um, I think going, yes, success. Here's a box of printed books in February of 2020 <laughs> is not the best time to then start trying to form a business plan off the back of it. Um, I mean, on that front, it was never, the book was never supposed to be a business. Um, the book I learned as I was writing it was actually a really extensive set of course notes. What you really needed to do was come and spend a day with me, talk about this stuff, learn these topics. And then rather than have to sit there and scroll notes down all day and not quite remember what the hell I was talking about, you can take away the most extensive set of notes that you can possibly imagine. Um, I want that book to live in people's handbags and briefcases and drawers of their desk, be dog-eared and coffee-stained because people just refer to it, not because it's got all the answers, but because it's the catalyst. It's the little bit that makes you think about, ah, yes, that's my thought process. That's what I need to look into. That's what I need to consider. Um, but I, you know, it's ironic saying it on here, but Zoom was not my thing. Like the idea that this was going to be virtual just killed it for me. Um, so in a world where everyone was trying to transfer to a digital environment, the last thing I wanted to do was that. So I decided that it, it would be worth holding off, send a few copies out, let a few people read it, see if people are interested, see if it lands well with the people that I actually care about reading it. But then until I can sit down face to face with people and actually give them some time, um, I'm going to keep it just as that. I have to be honest with you, um, conducting a podcast via Zoom was never my intention because I am a very <laughs> person and I love reading body language at the same time. And Zoom gets me every single time. I can't read people. Through Zoom. Um, yes. I, I do hanker for the day where I can sit down in my workshop with a couple of microphones and a coffee yeah. and, and do it properly yeah. and hopefully be a little bit more relaxed. Um, <laughs> well, I've had to bring myself into the 21st century with technology. Um, it's horrible, isn't it? it well, it's not my forte. It's not my forte. I've learned things that I never thought I would learn. Uh, how to transfer T, is it MP4 files into MP3 files and all that kind of stuff. But hey, I'm not going to bore you with the details of that. Just... <laughs> Just to take us back into three incarnations um, to when we were at Evans, there's a book that I that I know was about then that I just started reading. And I, and I started reading it because I needed, as you referred to, a little bit of help. And it's Steve Parks, The Chimp Paradox. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, it's just blown me away. And I, I'm, I'm seeing aspects of your book that have got a similar effect of hold on it just i'm going to say grounds you so mm -hmm. steve park's analogy is this chimp that's out of control and you need to control this chimp um because you're a human being you're not a chimp mm -hmm. i just i just wonder if so many young managers new to management when i say new managers i don't mean young um mm -hmm. But people who are new to management were given a copy of your book alongside a copy of The Chimp Paradox. And given those two books, as you and I have both been given books to read in the past, that I look back on now and thinking, what, did, what was that all about? That's just, yeah. um, 
these books are more personable. The Chimp Paradox and your, yeah. the Chimp Capitalist are personable, and you can take that into any walk of life. That's not just about business. That's that's just no. your person. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I think being at Trek now is a real a real culture shift. Um, we are very big on books. We have um, even my just my local district. We have a book club where we have a business book that we read over a month or so, and then we have a, a video call and we talk about it and we see what we take from it. Um, as a company, as a whole, um, we do a lot of work with a guy called Jim Collins, who has written some fabulous business books. Uh, he's an incredible researcher more than anything. So not the concepts he comes up with are, are fantastic, but they're reached through purely research. It's not speculation it's not opinion it's not through huge amounts of experience as a leader it's through huge amounts of experience of studying business um and you know again if you wanted a a try pack of books to give a, a new manager um then certainly the jim collins is good to great um is one of the books that well trek had us read it you know they wanted us all to read it um and it is a real <laughs> it's actually quite funny reading it when you've worked at Evans there are certain aspects of it where it's like they'd read it and were trying to do the opposite it was quite quite uncanny there's even towards the back of the book there is even a table that exam that gives you a breakdown of what the good to great companies did and what the ones that never really became great did and it was like they'd just chosen the wrong column and based Evans on that it was it was uncanny um so yeah i'd say definitely good to great is a it's not as businessy as you might think it is very much coming to the conclusion that level five leaders which is what a term that they define in the book is what the the key difference is and how successful the business is and specifically how a successful business becomes a great business how you take it to that next level that more emotional level of success rather than just being financially a good business so yeah add it to the collection will do just leaves me to say thank you very much ted for your time and for your insights and for the level of support you've given me over the years um i certainly wouldn't be where i am today i sound like reggie perrin don't i it's uh, <laughs> cj i sound like cj of reggie perrin i didn't get where i am today without you <laughs> Um, that is a pleasure absolute um, pleasure lovely to see you mate send my love to Nick and the family I will um, look after yourself uh, look forward to seeing you soon I think we'll be down Manchester way at some point once all this nonsense is over um, yeah. so I'll give you a shout if you're in town um, give us a shout you're always welcome um, yeah I think you know, you owe me a coffee I think yeah, <laughs> sounds about right sounds about right but yeah next time we can get up to the lakes we'll come and uh, we'll swing by give us a shout hello. That'd be lovely. Um, but yeah, no, it's been good. And, and it's the one thing we can say about Evans is that some of the, the best people I know, just the best people I know, I knew through Evans. Um, you know, and that's, I would, I would never want to be seen as someone who bashes that company. That company was fabulous for a very long time for a lot of people. And I certainly wouldn't be where I was, where I am, if it wasn't for them and for those people. Um, and I think 
of all the people that I met through Evans, I think of people that I would still consider real good friends, I think only one of them is still there. Um, and the rest of them, I still keep in contact with them. For that, I'll be forever grateful. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure, Ted. Look after yourself. And uh, we'll see you very soon. And you. Cheers, man. See you soon. Yeah. Speak soon. Bye. Bye-bye. week's time to ride podcast was brought to you by the spokesman bespoke bicycle wheel building and wheel repairs and the leadership catalyst